Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is November 10th, 2023. It is Friday. I am talking. This the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by my New Year readings. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive. And to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. By Maya Angelou. Ugh. That's a really good food for thought. What is our mission in life? I know for me, um, I come from a very uh, underprivileged background. I don't know if that's the correct term. Um. So I definitely know my mission in life, I never just want to like survive, I guess exactly what Maya Angelou said. I I never just want to get by. I never just want to uh, struggle, you know, and I feel so privileged the years of my life I've been able to lean into what makes me happy. And I think that's so rare, at least from my perspective, it feels really rare. Um, and I know that's always been really important to me. I think I made that choice in my early twenties when I was working in a very corporate situation. And I was like, oh, I could give my life over to a company and like maybe buy a house one day, or I could make just enough money to pay my bills, but actually like live my life, you know? And of course, as the economy changes, it's getting harder and harder and harder to make that choice. Um, but man, if I'm not trying, you know. <laughs> so what are we drinking today? I'm going to take a sip real fast. Mm. <clears throat> we are drinking Witch's Pie from Sip a Spell. This is a pecan pie flavored tea. Uh, I I had to do this one because uh, pecan pies are very special to me, and it's the holiday season, and yeah, just had to do it. Had to do it. So this is a rooibos tea, so it is caffeine free, which I absolutely love. So it can be a little dessert tea at the end of the night. It has apple pieces, cacao nibs, cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon! Ah, I love cinnamon. Uh, dark chocolate chips chicory, and then uh, flavoring such as pecan, caramel, uh, chocolate, and then marigold flowers. So, do you guys remember where I went on this whole thing where I talked about how obsessed I was with this one tea for so long? It was like the only tea I would drink. And I really just discovered it was just cinnamon tea. It was just cinnamon but I thought this was like the creme de la creme of tea. And in my college years, my roommate 
that was the only tea I would drink and she knew it. And it was just this whole thing. And it turns out it was just cinnamon. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So we are moving into some headlines. And this is a review on Scott Cunningham. And this is from The Wild Hunt, which I'm a little iffy about. I don't know if it was the oh maybe it wasn't the Wild Hunt. There was one uh, kind of pagan blog that like posted fake like fake information, and I've always been a little unsure since. And I don't think it was uh, the Wild Hunt, but I'm I'm a little um you know careful about it now. But I did want to use this opportunity to talk about Scott Cunningham. Anyone who's been in the witch world for more than a year or two will know the name Scott Cunningham. Uh, yeah, just like this reviewer says, who wrote this? Storm Fairy Wolf. Uh, you know, they say that one of the very first books they ever read on operative witchcraft was by Scott Cunningham when he was 14. And then... Um, uh, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. So same. I remember when I was like kind of starting out my witchy journey, the library had a Scott Cunningham book. And I don't think it was like one of his official full-length books. It was kind of like a compendium or like a greatest hits of. And I really loved it. And it really vibed with me. And it's so funny Scott Cunningham was just a really great resource. And a new book uh, has come out called Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken. And it's honoring the life and legacy of a Wiccan trailblazer. And it's written by Christine Cunningham Ashworth. So it takes a look at his life from his childhood and upbringing and his passing in 1993 at the age of 36. I, I genuinely believe a lot of us are where we are because of Scott Cunningham and the work he did. And it's so funny. I, I hear some witches today. Mm -hmm. And there's always witches who have an ego issue. And you'll definitely recognize this if you spend any time in the witch community. It's just like any other community, any other niche community. There will be an ego issue. When, she, when you have a small group and community... There are some people who uh, maybe they have felt bullied their whole life. Maybe they have felt very powerless. And they, some for some reason, view a small community as an opportunity to be finally the one with power or to be the biggest whatever. And this is definitely a problem within the witch community. Um, I, I see it all the time. I very <laughs> – while uh, this is something I'm very, very passionate about um, – I never want to be the biggest, baddest, whatever one, because like I'm tired. Like I'm, I'm naturally a very exhaustive person. And I also don't get my value from that. Um, I diversify my identity quite a bit. You know, I'm not just a witch, I'm not just a writer. I'm not just an academic. I'm not just a tea maker. I'm not just a sci-fi nerd. I'm not just a someone who loves hosting, like when you diversify your identity, Bacon talks about, um, when you diversify your identity, you don't feel the need to be the best at any one thing. 
And I think that helps with jealousy. I think it helps with ego. Uh, so when we find in small communities, if there are people who feel that way, I sometimes feel really bad for them because I'm just like, oh, they need to find other things that they are passionate about so that this isn't like their big, their main focus. Um, all of that being said, I have found that there are still some witches in the community who view Scott Cunningham as kind of a threat. And I don't know why. Um, the man died 30 years ago. Um, but I'm telling you, his work is good. His work is very good. And I love that this book is coming out. It looks like Matt Oren did a foreword. Uh, Matt's been on our show. Uh, I like Matt. He's very nice. Uh, you'll you'll find I like anyone who's just like nice to me once. But like, uh, I think this is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to see this. I think Scott Cunningham more than deserves a book on his life. And I think that's really neat. So it looks like it is currently available. Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken. So if you want to learn more about him, I think that's really neat. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, November 10th. The waning crescent moon continues to create harmony in Libra today. Here, the moon moves into a square to Pluto. The square to Pluto has us feeling the need to manipulate a situation, bend it to our will. Pluto can see through things, and what we do with that information is a true test of character. Will we use it to get the things that we want or feel we deserve? Or will we treat the information with compassion and understanding? Whichever you choose, try to be moderate in your influence. We all have things that we want, things that we need, but that doesn't mean that we need to subsume another's needs and wants. Your daily moon mantra is, grace cannot be bought, earned, or won. If it could be, it would cease to be grace. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Hi, witches. It's me. Um, I did want to share that every uh, December and January, I do 12-month yearly readings. Uh, basically, it is a reading that I do over audio that I email to you, and I go over what your year is going to look like. I give you ideas for what to write down in your planner, how to make hard times a little softer, what I think you can avoid, and what I think you're just going to have to muscle through. Um, and I share good things, um, and as well as which months you can prep for harder months or ways you can celebrate things. And I absolutely love these readings. I have people who get this, who get the readings every year and nothing makes me happier when I get like an email in August that was like, oh my gosh, your reading was spot on all year and it just makes my day. So I only offered these in December and January. So if you want to check that out, go to schedule. Nope. Go to, uh, tanyabrown.schedulista.com or go to witchpod.com if you want to schedule that. Uh, I stop offering them after January. All right, we are back. So it is Friday, which means it is Encyclopedia Day where we learn something together. 
uh, because like I said, right, um, I love learning. I love learning new things. I love learning new things with other people. So I pulled out my Occultism of Parapsychology. And this is this is a whole different one that than we've been using. This is we've we've been using the second edition. This is the fourth edition, which was published in 1996. And it's M through Z, so it's the second volume. And I just did a little like open it wherever it lands type of thing. And I found something so fun and interesting. Spirit photography. Ooh. <laughs> the production of photographs on which alleged spirit forms are visible. When the plate or film is developed, there sometimes appears, in addition to the likeness of the sitters at a seance, a shape resembling more or less distinctly a human form, which at the moment of exposure uh, was unperceivable to normal vision. Beginning in the late 19th century, spiritualists asserted that there were photographs of spirits and that the presence of a medium was generally required to facilitate the production. Even though the main evidence in favor of spirit photography rests on recognition of the supposed spirit by the sitters or the others, it's very often vague and um, indistinct with the head and shoulders enveloping a close clinging drapery. So the practice of spirit photography originated in the U.S. in the 19th century and enjoyed a fitful existence through the 1930s. It was first introduced in 1862 by William Mulner, a Boston photographer. Uh, Dr. Gardner of the same city was photographed by Mulner, and on the same plate appeared an image that the sitter identified as his cousin, who had died 12 years before. Gardner published his experience, and the new spirit photography was at once adopted by spiritualists who saw it as a means of proving their beliefs. In 1863, however, Gardner discovered that in at least two instances, a living model was the subject's spirit in pictures. Although he continued to believe that some of the photographs might be genuine, his exposure of Molnar as fraudulent effectively checked the movement for a time. After a lapse of six years, Mulmer appeared in New York, where the authorities uh, basically were going to persecute him, but the evidence against him was insufficient to prove fraud. So this guy, Mulmer, who was like the first to be like, I got spirits, he was kind of proven to like maybe not be genuine, and then they were going to persecute him for fraud, which I forgot you could do that back then. Um, Let's see. Well, I guess you still could if you're taking people's money, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if you just want to go around faking photographs for like the funsies of it, I don't think anyone can do anything. Uh, spear photography had flourished in the U.S. for some 10 years before it became known in Britain. Samuel Guppy and his wife Agnes Guppy, the well-known spiritualist mediums, endeavored without success to produce spirit photographs in private and at length called for the assistance of Frederick Hudson, a professional photographer. The photograph of Guppy revealed a dim, draped spirit form. Hudson speedily became popular, and his studio was uh, as largely patronized as Mulmer's had been. He found support from several outside observers. Thomas Slater, a London uh, optician, made careful observations of the process without being to detect any fraud. 
John Beatty, a professional photographer and something of a skeptic, made the following statement concerning Hudson's performances. So Hudson here is like our second spirit photographer. Our first one, we th- we're, we're pretty confident was fraud. So here's what this other photographer says of this like second coming of spirit photographer. They were not made by double exposure nor by figures projecting in a space in any way. They were not the result of mirrors. They were not produced by any machinery in the background. Behind it, above it, below it, or any contrived connection with the bath, the camera, or the camera side. So he's kind of like saying that maybe it's legit. Such testimonies as these from the lips of skilled and distinguished witnesses would naturally seem to raise spirit photography at the level of a genuine psychic phenomena. But a careful analysis of the evidence, such as by given by Eleanor Sidgwick in, the, in her article on spirit photographs from 1891, um, shows even a trained investigator can be deceived by sleight of hand. And it is notable that Beatty himself afterward pointed out instances of double exposure in Hudson's predictions. Oh, so now they're saying it was possible fraud. In 1874, Paris photographer Edward Bouget crossed over to London and commenced the practice of spirit photography. So he's like the third generation here of spirit photographers, and it's not looking good. Uh, Let's see. Many of the purported spirits in his pictures were recognized by his clients, and even when he had been tried by the French government and had admitted deception, Jesus There were those who refused to regard his confession as spontaneous, uh, saying that he was bribed to confess to fraud. Yeah, spirit photography is just like not looking good. It doesn't help that it came, that it, it was primarily being done by spiritualists who like we know did a lot of fraudulent things. So one of the most uh, prominent defenders of uh, mediumistic photography was W. Stainton Moses, who wrote, wrote under the pseudonym M. A. Oxen, who saw them as the best proof of reality of spiritualism. Throughout the 1920s and 30s, the whole idea of spirit photography was called into question by cyclical researchers. And in 1933, Fred Barlow and W. Rampling Rose presented the results of their research to the Society of Cyclical Research, which we've talked about before, and indicated that they had been unable to locate any spirit photographs not produced fraudulently. Their opinion has remained the consensus opinion of parapsychologists for decades. No set of photographs have been offered in recent decades for serious consideration as a genuine spirit image. Spirits are not only paranormal effects claimed in psychic photography. Many photographs have been produced that allegedly show spirit writing. Some of the photographic plates not exposed to, uh, not exposed in a camera. Uh, in modern times, Ted Sirius of Chicago has produced what appear to be thought pictures of distant scenes of a Polaroid film. The Japanese investigator uh, Fukuari use the term photography to denote paranormal images on photographic materials. So all those images we see from like all those black and white images that we see where it looks like a ghost with like drapes around them or like cloth around them. Uh, 
really stem from the spiritualist movement, which we know a lot of that was considered fraud. Uh, the Fox sisters were considered fraud. Um, remember ectoplasm? That was something that stemmed from the spiritualist movement, which was essentially people taking like cheesecloth and stuff and like making it wet and like saying that it was like spirit goo. Like all of that was like fraud. So the fact like I do kind of believe that you can have photographic evidence of spirits, but not like in those pictures, those uh, vintage pictures we've all seen. Those stem from the spiritualist movement and a lot of the quote unquote evidence from that movement has since been uh, uh, determined to be fraud. So what I might do is I might find a bunch of these pictures and post them on the Discord and the Facebook group because I think it'd be really fun for us to take a look at them. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Catherine Lochran. Catherine, you cunning, charming witch. I also want to give a shout out to listener Julie M. Julie, you dapper, noble werewolf. And Christy Hendrickson, you playful, glittery vampire. Thank you three so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And before we leave, we do have a card pull. Our card today is Karmic Path from Sacred Symbols Oracle. Karmic lesson, learning experience, hard work, perseverance, and structure. A new and valuable lesson is available to you at this time. This moment requires your due diligence. Pay attention to what is being presented to you. Have you been down this road before? Our souls come to this earth to learn valuable lessons as beings and for the planet. What are you being taught right now? This moment may require hard work and it will have long lasting rewards. You are not being punished. You are gaining tools and experience for living that will be with you for the rest of your life. Drawing this card also tells you that the foundation of what you are building is strong and a part of your legacy. Oh, that's a nice one. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we talk about today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Bye. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.